GM, Jenko, how are you? <laughs> GM, Carlo. You're the Long best time host. Talk. You know exactly <laughs> how when to come in, when to give the people time. I love it. I'm so polished. Ready for Carla, prime time. I know how hard you're working on this, so I want to say thanks. I know this is being recorded, so we'll put it in for posterity. You're yeah, making the whole thing happen. So they know I'm working hard. <laughs> yeah, it's you who's running this. <laughs> you just put me on the top of the indictment. I, love I it. can't stop. <laughs> Yeah, you take top billing. <laughs> um, I can't stop thinking about when Jonah said shit's going to hit the fan when kids start using a lot of money on NFTs. That yeah. really got me yesterday. I haven't stopped thinking about that. So when you're yeah. ready, you could do your – that's just my – I couldn't let it go because, like, that's going to change. That's what happened with Facebook. They, it, they cause legislation. It's happened elsewhere. It's really good insight, I thought. All right. Well, it's that time, my man. Disclaimer time. Everyone waits for it. I'm going to get a soundboard soon. We need a soundboard. We need, we, need we, we need to level this thing up. Welcome to Rug Radio's Law Line with Carlo and Jenko, where we discuss current events in Web3 legal, NFT and blockchain law. We bring you this show for informational purposes. Nothing we talk about should be considered legal or financial advice. If you have a specific legal question, you are, uh, it is in your best interest, I should say, to consult a lawyer who is licensed in your jurisdiction. Do that privately, not on a recorded Twitter space, because someday, some way, we may rebroadcast this thing because it is being recorded. So I pinned a few things, Janko. That's for like the documentary 35 years from now. (laughs) <laughs> like the Beatles documentary that, that I just watched. That's the, the rebroadcast that I'm thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be the uh, rooftop performance by the Beatles. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm outside having lunch, so if there's background noise, I'm sorry. I don't think I'm going to have any roller rink music this time. But um, I pinned a couple of things, Jenko, that I thought were kind of interesting. One is a continuation of the conversation we were having yesterday. Um, this, this article that I saw, Will Intellectual Property Issues Sidetrack NFT Adoption, kind of fit nicely with what we were talking about and gave a really good breakdown of the legal issues that NFTs present with respect to licensing. So what we couldn't cover in 45-minute space yesterday, this, this article does a nice job of breaking it down. And then the funniest thing of the day, I just loved this quote, um, and I, I, I tweeted this out, that it pretty well sums up the current state of the digital assets, asset regulation. Um, this, this, this byline from this story, the SEC, DOJ, and Treasury are all patrolling the, dig- the digital asset space. The CFTC is calling for unity, and lawmakers' vision for a cohesive strategy a summer vacation, end quote, which I thought was just classic. That's good. It pretty well sums up where we're at. That's good. It's, it's actually kind of funny and, and a little surreal all at the same time. Um, I know we brought, uh, we've got some of our good quality go-to legal minds that, that, that we're very honored to have frequent us, Bird Nalls, um, 
Coin attorney, we haven't heard from you in a long time. So if you got a moment to speak, it's Friday vibes. Nothing, nothing too heavy today. We're just going to keep it light. Calbell, you're in the house. Wendy, as always, thank you for your loyal support. Jenko, anything that's on your mind on this beautiful Friday? Yeah, Twitter changed my interface. How do I tweet the room? It oh, by the way, I hate the changes. Um, if you look at the top what banner the now, yeah, if you look at the top banner now, it's got our show based upon who's hosting it or speaking it. So it doesn't have a title anymore. It's really hard now for people to find us. It kind of, it, it vacillates between our, our tagline for the show and then whoever's speaking at the time. So a little bizarre. That's rough. Coin attorney. Welcome, man. Long time. No talk. What's new in your world? Hey, everyone. Uh, hey, Carlo and Ray. Thanks What's for up? hosting as usual. Uh, I know I'm always a more of a listening figure. Uh, I'm usually working, you know. Uh, I'm sure you guys are as well, but uh, yeah, I don't know I, what that is. What is, what is <laughs> lawyer work? <laughs> being uh, Carlo, at least. Yeah, being I'm in private practice is just especially working. So I work closely with banks, and so it's it's right now it's pretty crazy with all the businesses trying to get money right now because um, they're just you know. Is it a recession or is it not? So a lot of businesses obviously are panicking right now just to see if they have enough liquidity for the rest of the year or even next year. And so they're already, you know, scrambling to get money under the current rates. So it's been pretty stressful in the real, in the, I guess, in the, in the tra- traditional finance world. But in terms of Web3, we continue to build. So I'm just here to observe and learn why I can still build, you know. <laughs> Very cool. So you're seeing more activity like a, uptick in activity for commercial loans yes right now i i would i wouldn't say necessary uptick it, uptick is just more 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 banks are definitely are sorry more lender or more borrowers are definitely inquiring about loans right now and whether their interest rates will change and so the i can definitely see the amount of the revolving loans that's going out right now are definitely higher um People just want to make sure they have uh, enough liquidity they can you know, get to if they need to. And so even if it's not actual borrowed money yet, they're still trying to get a credit facility out there where that might give them enough you know, wiggle room for anything to come for the rest of the year and, and the next like, it's midterm. That makes sense. That's helpful. What about um, do you deal with at all with built loans for buildings, commercial to, to build and materials? Yeah, right. I, I do. Did they get canceled? Are they going up? Are they going down? So right now, they're not construction financing. Right now is I'd, I'd say it's usually very just crazy normally because just a lot of people just want to build. build, build <laughs> crazy is the norm. Okay. Yeah, crazy is the norm. Uh, but I'd say right now it's definitely not as crazy. Um, just because with all the supply chain issues that's just causing a lot of uncertainty in terms of price actual prices with whatever that's trying to be built on the part so the bank doesn't banks usually just don't know what kind of collateral they'll have essentially uh with a lot of these construction loans and so yeah that's the climate right now uh, i but i would definitely say right a lot of a lot of businesses are trying to get money and uh, trying to get as much uh credit exposure as they can right now okay thanks what do you feel like the market conditions are right now? Do you think the worst is behind us and the interest rate hikes are done? Honestly, I, I, the banks, I, I don't see. They're obviously a bit more, 
I would I, I wouldn't say the hesitant is the right word, but uh, they're definitely more cautious of of the market conditions right now. But uh, to be very honest, like the banks are not really acting any much more different in the last year, in the last year. And so even though what we we might see that whatever we might see on the news, the banks are kind of not, not very fast they're reacting, surprisingly. Um, they're actually pretty slow. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, I, I'd say it's still as busy. And if not, it's probably even a, okay, even busier if market conditions actually get worse. Uh, surprisingly to a lot of people. For the first couple, uh, I'd say six to eight months, uh, it's probably going to get even busier if, if you know, like say come September we we take another big dip in the markets and so who knows. Thanks, man. You build anything interesting in the space right now? I'd like to. Uh, I'm definitely speaking with a lot more not I, I wouldn't say they're clients yet, but there there's definitely businesses that are inquiring about different ways they, they can get financing and not just through traditional means, but actually using crypto as, you know, as collateral. Um, my ideal plan is to hopefully meet a group of people who are, who have the same, I guess, desire to uh, develop this crypto financing space. Cause I do think it's definitely there. No, I, I mean, this outside of DeFi, um, DeFi is great. DeFi is great. Uh, DeFi is just amazing. It's a new invention. That's a new innovation. That's only going to get better over time. But I do think there's a subset of, I guess, I like to call it like Web 2.0 or Web 2.5 financing, where it's kind of a mixture of both with the with some aspects of Web 3 and then some aspects of traditional financing. And so with that, essentially what I'm saying is uh, more and more bigger banks it's only a matter of time more and more bigger banks are going to provide uh, crypto finance leverage uh, transactions. And so, but it, I think, but again, it's a little too early, uh, especially being in the bear market now. I think once we get back into the bull market in 2024, hopefully, uh, maybe then uh, banks are, will be at least like the, 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 the big five. Uh, they'll be more open to, because uh, the banks are definitely well aware of the, of digital currencies and how they affect their business long term, and so uh, a lot of banks are actually studying. I think they're taking the time to study what crypto is right now. I love that topic. I, 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 thanks a lot for sharing. I actually pinned something that's pretty interesting, and along the lines of what you're talking about, um, I retweeted this yesterday because I found it fascinating. This company Swipe, and I'm not trying to pump anyone's bags, but it just looked like an interesting approach because it's a it's a Genosis wallet that is FDIC insured account, and your wallets are entirely non-custodial. You'll be able to make proposals that allow you to make wires, ACA payments, and have a virtual account, and tying this as being a way for DAO members to have spending limits and debit cards. And I, I pinned it because it seems to be an interesting pivot in the interest in the industry that banks are looking at merging themselves with cryptocurrency wallets. Honestly, that might not be a bad idea for the banks. Um, that way they acquire not only whatever that, I guess, business or idea or, pro or project 
is trying to create a product that's trying to create, but also the underlying people who, who know how to build that particular pro- uh, that pro- product. And so I, I think that's a great way because yeah, think about who who better knows how to uh, how to be a custodian more than you know wallet makers right now. And so I'd say that's a good approach. You couple that with some uh, platforms that have made representations that they are FDI and C insured when in actuality they are not. Um, I think you might have shared a story with me, Jenko, about that very situation, right? Voyager. Voyager. There was, a, there was a letter yesterday from the FDIC or whoever, and they, they said, hey, stop advertising that you're FDIC insured. But it came two weeks after they froze the accounts. Like, it was just like it was a warning to the public that just was a month too late. Um, but, yeah, Voyager, I remember when I saw that they were saying that it, they were insured. Yeah, I, I pinned that. I pinned I, that I, uh, I, letter. I took a sc- screenshot of it, and I saved it in a file. I have files of, like, potential consumer protection cases it was i have it saved under voyager lawsuit i took a screenshot i was like i i know this is going to come up um so that that letter was funny to me i imagine that can't be a good thing to say if it's not true i wouldn't suspect so we'll find out bad boys never dull moment around here so I think um, the current climate seems to be that floors are relatively quiet. Trading volume of NFTs is relatively quiet. ETH seems to be ignoring the drum of recession and the climb in interest rates. So the interesting question for the space is, where are we going? Because you would think if ETH seems to be reviving a little bit, that that would translate into NFTs reviving a little bit, but it doesn't appear to be happening right now. You can't mistake price action for being for reviving, I think. Um, I think traders are going to trade and people are going to speculate and gamble and the wind is going to blow, but that doesn't mean like, okay, we're back. Now let's start going extra risk on the NFTs. And then we don't even know what NFTs are in a sense just yet. Last year, there was something totally different. Bored Ape seemed to be like reinventing that every day. So like they may not have to follow like one business or one kind of niche sector of an industry can or, or, or niche part, portion of an industry can go up while in a recession. So like I don't I don't know what the hell is going on, but I, I don't think like ETH is... I think the people are just as scared as they were on the, when it crashed down to, to a thousand or lower. Um, I just think people are taking, some people are taking more risk to get out of it. Yeah, definitely no financial advice going down here, but it's been interesting to observe the way it has climbed over the last couple of days since the Fed chair spoke. And we talked about this from time to time and obviously others in the space who are much more knowledgeable about the stuff have talked about are we ever going to see a decoupling of crypto from the traditional economy and the traditional stock market 
a lot of questions that need answers. I always default to the point of like, this is so new and so developing that the creativity that we see next month is more important than like um, macro charts and, and momentum and fundamentals. But you're not looking at candles every day, huh? No, I, I, I don't. I, I used to, but I really think there's times if I if my portfolio set up where I, I want to trade a bunch of money, you know, for, for a couple of weeks or I see a short term thing and I'm watching it when to get like that ape coin when it first came out, I was really into trading that. But um, no, I don't see the short term. It's like when you're inventing baseball, they would go town to town post-Civil War with like uh, sharing shoes and sharing gloves and swapping up teams. And you can't like judge like the future of baseball on like how any one of those Sandlot games went. Just the fact that they're happening and the fact that cases are being filed and the fact that people are paying attention and we're getting these letters it doesn't even have to look good right now because that stuff works itself out. I, that, that's the way I'm trying to look at it. I, I really think so. So if we build it, they will come. Yes, Ray. If we build it, they will come. And that's what people are doing. And, and like, you can't, like, there's such energy around this, but you can't build things in a day. You can't just plow over the corn in a day. You have to, like... Like fractional, I don't think has even begun what they're going to build. I, I think they just have so much brightness ahead of them. So it's like tr people are trading on the short term news that may not have anything to do with the reality of what this ETH ecosystem can look like in three years. I'm I hoping. tend to agree with you on that. And I also feel, and again, this is all my opinion, but. I think a lot of people walked away from this space. I've seen the Dune analytic chart uh, with respect to the just complete flip in volume and activity. And I think a lot of people have been shaken out of the space who either were here because they were very ambitious and had, you know, maybe like greed motivated their trading mantra. And you have people that were maybe novice, maybe new to the space, who may have gotten burned and soured and may not come back. But what we see right now, I think, is I think we see the people that are here to stay every day in our feed. And you can very quickly now discern who is who's here for the long game. And the people that seem to be here for the quick flip, their, their voice seems to be a lot quieter now. Does that make sense? I can't get this mute button off. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think when you when you couple that with just the sheer volume of potential newcomers relative to those that get shaken out, like that to me is what creates a cycle. Because if the ones you described got shaken out, I think there's 12 or 20 times that number coming in over to over periods of time. So there's that I really think there's cycles and I, I, I just really am excited about the energy around this place. It's, it's, it really is exciting. So 
bull or bear, any individual or any one company can do well. The opportunities are boundless. There's no question about it. The outside interest and the, the, the Web2 brands, I don't think have been shaken at all by what we're seeing temporarily in the market conditions. I think they're still, I think they still realize that this is very transformative technology. Um, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'll be here. I know you'll be here, Janko. And I think the faces I'm that stuck. we see... I'll be here. <laughs> that away. Let's go. Who's got some things they want to share? Anybody want to come up and speak? It is kind of Friday, Friday vibes. We're keeping it real, real low key today. Not going to trigger anybody. <laughs> but What's just curious your, to know. I asked, I asked others, um, and we put on the spot, Carlo. So what's your, and you've, you've given me a couple issues in DMs that we've talked about, et cetera, but like, what's your, what do you see as the big problems that could happen? What do you see as the, the issues? You always talk about the platforms flagging things in an inefficient way. And that really causes trouble. What, what's something that is a small solvable issue that could trip up this whole movement? So if there is one, a small solvable may issue. not be small. What do you see that if we don't solve it, it's going to be big trouble? I think uh, and I spoke about this when I talked in New York, it was kind of my closing the closing part of my remarks. I think that if we cannot give the consumer not only a frictionless experience, but also an experience that has consistency and safety behind it, we're not going to onboard people. It needs to be as simple as downloading an app on your iPhone. That's how simple it needs to be to execute a NFT token transaction. And while everybody on this stage who's head down and who's invested in this space and who's put time and energy and owns digital assets, perfectly comfortable with the process, let's call it. The process is frankly a nightmare. We have all sat and watched the transaction with butterflies in our stomach. With our heart in our throat. Yep. Is this the one that's going to clean out my wallet? Did I, did I connect to the right site? Is my browser being or hijacked? Or just is my 50 grand going to show up on the other side still? Like that exactly. still gets me. Like I, I still get that. And until that is resolved, because I don't think that the average consumer who has a curiosity for this technology is willing to put up with that sort of shit, to be candid, because it's too scary. It's too much to lose. And I've sat there. And I've had moments where I thought I got hit and I've looked at my wallet and I've looked back at my wallet and I've looked at my assets and I've tried to unravel where I might have gone wrong. And thankfully, I didn't go wrong. I just misread the transaction. But that type of I mean, this is stressful stuff. Let's be real. Let's let's have a little bit of a of an intervention here. Who hasn't had that experience where they've just had absolute terror and butterflies that oh my god i think i just really screwed up and that that's just not a way for this to grow so that's the thing that i think that needs to get fixed 
I can't, I couldn't disagree. I just am very bullish on someone who knows so much as hearing someone who knows as much about this industry as you do think that that's the big problem because I agree it's the big problem. I just am fairly confident that it gets solved. Like these user experiences that, as you described, it should be as simple as downloading an app. They were created by UX experts who just happen to still be at big jobs in Web2 right now. So I think the smart contract validity is almost so easy that the NFT, the products, the Azuki, whatever, the, the, the solidity stuff got outpaced by some of the interface and in infrastructure, which I think will catch up and then allow a lot of this to happen. A lot of the smartest people that I've heard said things basically the same as what you just said. They say, well, we're going to get to a point where most NFT interactions or ownerships they don't recognize that as an nft where it's the same as you don't recognize whether you're streaming one file type versus a different file type when you watch a movie on netflix versus amazon so i think you're absolutely right it needs to be seamless but i'm very 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 confident that we get there because there's enough yeah. money to 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 encourage it I think if it ever gets to the point that it's as easy as buying a song on iTunes where your credit card is connected to the app, you're very clear on what you're buying, you understand exactly who you're interacting with, and you, you're not at all hesitant, you're not double and triple checking your browser and making sure you're not one letter off and on some rogue website, all of those things. And I understand that that all kind of talks more about centralized process, but I think in order for the masses to be comfortable here, there has to be there has to be that centralized aspect to it because the consumer and it goes back to what we originally. Opened you can decentralize with. those centralized components, though. Bingo. Yeah, you can. And it goes back to the opening conversation you and I had when I think there was only three or four people in here. Uh, you know, you, you, you very you very succinctly, you know, hit on that point. Um, and if you want to restate it, because you stated it so well, as far as, you know, the process and it needs to be better. The consumer just needs to know they need to be confident in what they're doing. And especially if you're talking about now children onboarding, because we continue the conversation from yesterday. One of the biggest threats that was brought up was when kids start to transact on these metaverse gaming platforms and when they're buying and selling things in ApeCoin and they get taken, you better believe that's going to cause a problem for the space. It's no different than the observation that I just made, right, Jenko? I mean, it's, 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 no, I think quite... we're right there. We're on the same page. <clears throat> and I, I know that there are, there are the possibilities of solutions. I don't think that Signing a transaction on MetaMask needs to be so confusing. I think there needs to be a better way for you to understand exactly what you're getting and what you're giving away. I also think, and I don't know how to solve this, but these trades, people are making trades, and I see it over and over again in the space where people have been taken, and one of the comments they always make is, I got sent 
an invitation to trade on a platform that I wasn't familiar with. I checked out. It looked legit. Look legit. And then I got scanned. What the hell does look legit? Like, what did you check out? If you're like, oh, they, it's, it's you're right. Sad. A, a lot sad. of these people do use their phones, and so it's it's that's I, insane. And I think that's why a lot, surprisingly, a lot of people just still use their phones for almost everything. And so I think they're just more susceptible to that situation because on your phone, it's a lot harder to verify if a, re- if a, like a website is legit or not. And so I think that's part of some part of the issue. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that it happens. And I think on a similar note, Carlo, I do think from a, from a more of a banking perspective, as long as uh, I think once that custodian aspect of, I guess, more centralized entities offering custodian services or just just like how a normal bank, you know, offers its services to create bank accounts for checking accounts for or saving accounts for the customers just and how they're FDIC insured. I think if some aspect of that comes to crypto with how uh, I think that that will start getting more and more, uh, I think, more belief in this. The overall, in the, like in the overall crypto and how and the Web three element of things, but until we figure out, until we figure out the custodian element of things, because think about it, our grandparents they don't know how to use the, the internet first of all, and then second of all, how are they know going to have to send money from your with their MetaMask to another like their grandchild's MetaMask? They don't. Oh, so, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, if yeah, you think that's about where those it, banks could 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 step up and be that yes. go between like, I'd love to deposit my Bitcoin at bank of America. And it's just in my suite of interface when I log in, but I'd, I'd also love to deposit an ape too. I don't know if they'll ever get there, but then I can send to my grandparents the same thing and it shows up in their account or whatever, but it's all done under bank of America, Wells Fargo. I, I, I think 100% talking, agree. Yeah. I, think I mean, you think about, about it, Go ahead, Carl. and we've talked about this a little bit, Jenko. You think about the process of trying to explain this stuff to people. You sit with your loved ones, and you try to explain them the process of how we do this. And they almost look at you with a glazed look on their face like, you are crazy. And there's people sitting on the sidelines right now who I think want to be a part of this. I think they see the excitement and the opportunity of being in this space, they even see the potential to build something in this space, but they don't have the patience for this shit. Yeah, but that's the opportunity, and that's what being early is. Like, like when they first were playing poker, it was the Wild West. The cards were cut. People were cheating. People would get shot. You didn't know who was housing the game. You didn't know who you were playing against. And now we have, we have, like, regulated TV shows of the same exact game where all of those scams and the trading platforms, all those nuances – have been smoothed over. So I think the legend, the legend is in the house. Birdnalls. Birdnalls, what's up? What do you think, Birdnalls? Yeah, it's just funny. I only popped up because you guys mentioned the fake exchange. I sent an uh, article in, the, in our little side chat about it. Um, it's actually, I've seen it. I've had clients deal with it. It is shocking how sophisticated some of these, some of these fake exchanges look. 
like they can they send it out they use lots of times they use like google ads so it's at the top of your search so if you're searching for some exchange um they'll use a google ad and they get you to download an app on your phone that looks like it's an actual it's an app like a coinbase app or a bitbank or any of these exchanges but doesn't it's not an actual app all it is is just a browser that sends you to their side website that they may look just like the coinbase or the any of these other websites and then you're trading on there you think you think everything's legit and and then you so you see your you see your gains go up and then they email asking for taxes before you can cash out so not only have you already sent them a bunch of crypto or a bunch of to, to fund the account but then they double dip and they ask all right to, to get this out you have to send us this amount in taxes and it is crazy how like it, i just sent an article that like it's happening all of the space and it's the amount of money that's being used for these people that are otherwise sophisticated people, but they're not sophisticated when it comes to uh, web three and how wallets work and all that kind of stuff. It's the, the amount is just insane. And the sophistication of the hackers are just insane too. Well, to your point, and that is a good, thanks for sharing. Cause you put it in and, and you're always on top of this stuff, but to your point of, how shock how shockingly sophisticated the bad guys are we have to come from a place that we assume that they're going to be the smartest like that's the most bang for your buck is to be a bad guy so like they're not going to leave it on the table like you you we really should assume that they're sophisticated organized tech savvy and not just like a ragtag bunch of idiots who I like the, 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 the hubris to say I checked out the website and it looked legit is a mistake. Like that can't be your safety process because I don't, what are you looking for? It's a website. You're going to, you're going to judge the logo. Like there's, if you're not in the metadata, if you're not at the smart contract level, if you're not like getting a link from a verified Twitter account, which by the way, in the last two weeks, we've seen no longer Amen. is a viable option. Amen, Jenko. So, like, if you don't have that viable path, you don't do the transaction. Like, and sometimes it's not the best path to protection is is what you do. If it's not good enough, you don't do the transaction. Um, and it's not like, yeah. well, what else could I have done? That's not a good process. And when but I, I don't disagree with anything you say. It's definitely like there's there's things that as soon as I see it, like red flags go up for me because I've been in this space for long enough. But it's sophisticated enough that a like regular user, which is what we're talking about, trying to get onboarding the regular user, like they're sophisticated enough that any regular user don't fault them for falling for it. It's of just course. It, it's just like one. But of the it's the where... assumption that a, a regular user could by visual see a, a hack website versus like just visually oh, yeah, tell yeah, no. and that's where you get in trouble it's just or it's just like you don't the regular user doesn't even think to like check like is this dot io usually or is this dot la in this example is this like why are they why is this exchange asking me to buy crypto on coinbase and send it to their exchange like it's like things that we would see as us but a regular user or someone else there's no way. There's just there's just no way that a a person that is financially literate but not not in this space and not seeing these scams every day be able to like tell the difference. It's just you just couldn't. Yeah, well, Bernal's part of go ahead. I'm go sorry, Janko. Bernal's part of your practice is that you do help 
when conditions are right, when you have the right plaintiff, you do try to help people recover their lost assets. What, what specifically are uh, the key things that you look for when you're considering taking one of these cases? Because obviously the size of the theft is a factor because there are certain, there are certain thefts that just are not worth recovering in legal fees and investigative costs. But what criteria do you generally apply when you're evaluating these cases to consider and taking them on? So size of theft not goes into not only just the fact that um, that it's the the pot committed. Why would you spend more money on lawyer fees? Then the chance of you getting it back are pretty small. Um, so that goes into size of theft, but also it goes into the forensic element. So when you're moving small amounts of crypto through a tornado or through any other mixing service, it's pretty easy to hide and it's hard to track down. Precisely. But, but when you're talking about large transactions, those aren't actually that difficult to find we have because you can find what goes in and what comes out yeah so what okay. happens with these mixing i just servers, wanted to follow if you want to share service, that process that's yeah helpful. mixing servers don't have a ton of just liquid available they don't they don't keep a bunch on on hand so when you are trying to mix a hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars they can mix it as much as they want but because that transaction was so big going in and they don't have that much in reserve, just like hanging out ready to be mixed into there and through to wallets, you can actually go through those transactions. I can't, but there are there are entities that can go through those transactions fairly easily and track it through the mixing service to a more to a like a KYC wallet. Because at the end of the day, all these hackers are having to turn into fiat. They're they can't they can't buy Rolexes with ETH at this point. They can't buy all these things they want to buy with ETH. They have to get transitioned into fiat. And you can't really transition fiat without using a Know Your Customer Exchange right now. I mean, you can, you can, you can do like off-market deals with people and all that, but it, they, people are going through the market exchanges. So you, you track it down when it's a large transaction. You can do that. Um, you can see if they've been sloppy. You can see if there's been, you can, at that point, after you hire the forensics expert, you then do a full stop and say, here's what we found so far. Do you want to take the next steps kind of thing? And you just give them the pros and cons. And what I'm curious about is what is the next step? Because if you have the private keys, what can you do to recover? Uh, so the next step is a John Doe lawsuit traditionally. Um, so you do a John Doe. Uh, and then you get, you usually can find at least, if not the exchange where they sent the majority of it, an exchange where that they used for um, funding lots of these wallets for the gas fees and all that. So you, you do a John Doe action, you get the records from the, um, from the exchange um, using the subpoena power of the court and that John Doe, and you can go from there. And you've had success with these with these subpoenas and that type that type of information. Yeah, it's really hard, especially when you're dealing with these exchanges, because the actual exchange that you're dealing with will the actual corporate entity you're dealing with will differ on like by country. So you can't just you can't just subpoena Binance if it's a Binance account. You you have to go through Binance that US, the whole separate entity with separate legal counsel and all that. So it's digging through and actually finding the right, the right exchange to subpoena is, is difficult, but we have had success in and uh, getting those records and being able to track it down to an individual that, um, that depending on what jurisdiction they're in, you might be I guess, something back. I guess it all ties back into the original premise, which 
uh, you got to carefully vet these cases because if you take every single potential scam, you could you could easily get underwater in your practice and you, you have very little chance of recovery. So you've got to do your postmortem and look at how this scam went down very closely to determine whether it's worth, as we say, whether the, uh, the juices were worth the squeeze. Really? Ferdinals, I, I don't know. I got to go back and read the chat in the chat. Are there, well, we, we can move on. I think you DM'd it. What are you thinking, Carlo? I'll save that question. No, no. I mean, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating because um, there's certainly a lot of people that that have been scammed and they're looking for answers and they're looking for help. But they also largely don't understand what the process is for recovery and whether it's even worth an attorney's time and funding a case like that, uh, whether the client it's worth funding and hiring the forensic experts necessary it, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. It's it's a complex thing you're trying to unravel, and it, it costs money to unravel it. Ferdinals, I, I I DM'd about um, every policy is totally different, every state's different. But is there a good faith homeowners policy uh, a claim to be made? Has have you gone down that road at all? In depending I've, on the facts of the case, I've never successfully done it, but I have heard that depending on the homeowners that property loss might be covered under under homeowner's policy when you get hacked or something like that or you get fished or scammed. Um, I've never personally done it or been successful with it, but I do, I have heard through the grapevine that depending on the homeowner's policy, depending on how they define uh, property, personal property, um, that you might be able to go through your homeowner's policy um, and try and get some recovery there. Very cool. Thank I let him G, Carlo. Ferdinals, yeah. always thank you for stopping by. Lena, you were Sharing first up. Everything. G, oh, Lena we'll was first. Next. Go ahead. Lena, did you drop? Uh-oh. We might have lost Lena. Look at that, G. You forced out Lena. <laughs> Maybe she'll come back. What's good, man? Uh, yeah, if she does come. Uh, I'm. If she uh, jumps back on, uh, uh, allow her to go first if somebody notices that, please. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, say thanks to everybody. And, um, uh, Carlos, you know my uh, um, issues and other people here. Uh, I lost my sandbox land and the gutter dog that you see here. And I've been trying to get them back through various people. And I've had lots of big-time people come out and try to help me and post, you know, threads about what they've done. So it seems the more you do diligence um, moving forward, if it is ever recovered, um, it'll come through that in certain cases. Uh, Bird knows, uh, I'd appreciate any help. And uh, Carlos, anybody who wants to reach out to me in terms of process, I'm up here in Canada. The local law, they just basically deferred me and said, you know, there's nothing we can do. Um, the most uh, thorough explanation I had was from Asset Reality, which is the uh, Asset Reali- uh, Recovery um, partner with MetaMask. And they basically broke down what you guys were just saying. And I didn't catch all of the details of that, uh, what Bernos was saying, but the, uh, the basic essence of it boils down to that if it's not um, assets over 75K, then the um, forensic uh, investigation is not worth doing. And so there's, in my case, it just wasn't worth it. So Shit's they, they set man. the bars. Yeah, right. So if anyone That's knows awesome. any way of doing anything, um for mine moving forward and i've done the diligence like you should post that you've had it stolen you should you know still rep that it's yours and everything like that and so i'm doing all this you still see you know i post someone told you you should still rep that it's yours uh people basically well i don't know in some of the threads that's just what's being implied is that you um you shouldn't really 
push that you know it belongs to somebody else and that they sort of develop wow. it all of yeah. those are new new issues gee i'm very sorry i know you shared that story with us before um, yeah thanks bro it sucks but i'm glad you're still here because like what carlos said i think if you're really you know dedicated to your community and like part of this whole world i think you get it back a hundred times over so thanks for sticking it out man looking forward that's to it yeah cool. that's that's a hundred percent yeah i really do believe it it's my sons and so here's the other thing carlos uh, was talking about how old people and kids uh so my son actually earned uh through play to earn he earned he's a fire gamer right so he earned that money in crypto well the crypto coin right sand token and he bought that land himself and i was the geezer that got fished <laughs> wow. it's not the other way around. what a story that's a good early lesson i guess that's funny that thanks for sharing lena yeah i'm gonna step down up? thanks G. Yeah. hello how is everyone gm today what's up back to earlier into the conversation uh, i don't know if many of you have ever uh, been up close to what it takes to put a payment product into a market and you know I'm here to learn all about that but I having experienced um, bringing chip and pin and then contactless you know phone payments it's not easy and I, we're gonna get through this part but to Carlos uh, point the UI has to be really simple but to, to provide a simple user interface means a lot of security so it's going to be I'm, I'm here for the ride anyway. That's the push and pull, the dynamic of so many of the issues we face, whether it's here in different areas. Um, yeah, I security guess you, I, versus that freedom. Go ahead, and I guess sorry. if you analogize it, Jenko, to what it takes to get, uh, you know, a bank to to run credit card transactions for your business, you know, there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Are we going to live in a world where MetaMask charges? That hey, might help solve because because a lot of yeah. things are like MetaMask do this 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 and this, so then we can all make money. And I'm like, well, like, should they start charging? And what happens then? Have you I mean have you seen the exchange rates on their on their platform? I think I think they're. Probably... I guess yeah, but it, then no one just uses that service. But I guess. I mean, You're plenty right. of people use it, and I, I've used it occasionally just to try and get that mass drop eventually, maybe someday. Is that quote, their but... business model? Charge exorbitant fees and then, like, rumor the 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 mask drop? <laughs> Does that change? Maybe, 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 maybe. I mean, it just – Sometimes when it's like a small amount and you're not you're not looking at that much slippage, it's just I'll do it on there and just take the extra for the ease of service, take the extra point five percent or whatever. I was thinking more charge more generally, but you're right. They do collect fees and they don't they're not shy about um how much they charge when they allow that in in wallet swap. But those are those things that Lena and Car- Carlo to me are talking about that to me are just inevitable. Like we're going to see a wallet that contains a lot more functionality than we see right now. And competitors will pop up driving those prices down. The the speed at which folks onboarded gave this mirage of a moat to places like MetaMask, et cetera. If we get mass adoption, there's no reason why MetaMask is the only wallet in my 
point of view. I mean, you can use right now, I think both FTX and Coinbase have a credit card that acts almost like a debit card with your crypto and they do the exchange through that, um, which I think is probably a step in the right direction. I think Robinhood does the same function. Yeah, yeah. So essentially it's just, I mean, it's the same. It works with all the credit card, debit card, wherever those, those payments work and they just, they have all the money transmitter licensing necessary to do that and they just basically take the ETH out of your account and and uh, and uh, convert it to fiat and then send it that way. So it's like, I mean, we're seeing that it's just going to be whether it's going to be directly with getting get, get rid of that hacking convert and all that side of the of the transaction. And there's hope. There's hope we can solve the problem that I posed because I think solving that problem gets us back on track and. I think makes it a lot more attractive for people to be a part of this space until that happens. I don't know, man. It just seems like it's only for the hardcore devotees. It may seem that way, but I, I take, I I go the other way. I, I don't think until that happens, I think it'll happen incrementally step by step. Some functionality got rid of Celsius, bad actor, or or those who are overreaching in their promises of of yield. And now, like over time, it will be more palatable, like a, a more forgiving environment um, for newcomers. So I think it can't. We can't wait until that happens because then there's no incentive for people to build the infrastructure we're talking about. It has That's why to I love you, Jenko. You bring balance to the show, Jenko. That's why I love you. <laughs> what do you make for lunch today? You DJ. You're, you're just getting dirty. You're just having breakfast. No, well, no. I'm making breakfast for lunch okay. today. All right. I had All breakfast right. food for lunch. As I was going to say, I've already I didn't like get up late. No, I got up. No, I've been working all night, too. But I don't work on things like like I can't do the criminal. I can't do the family. That stuff is too important. I, I can't do con law arguments. You guys really are are doing. You you, you have to be sharp and and you know custody people's freedom. That's real. I mean, I was working on very fun Web three stuff all night. But uh, Lena, what's up? Did you jump in? Just to remind everyone, the last time a new way to pay and do things um, garnered Apple 15 basis points. Bingo. Yeah. Listen, you want you want security, you want consistency, you want all these things, you got to pay. And is it really out of line to say I'll pay an extra 250 per MetaMax transaction? To not lose my prized NFTs? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, it's a cost of doing business. And they Someone's have got to pay. And Carlo, they have designed like I don't know how many years ago. Um, it's called the tr- trusted execution environment, which is a well, you know, and ask your uh, experts, but um, is the most secure, uh, one of the most secure. Um, places to do uh, anything in a, in a device, right? You got the embedded secure element, which holds your wallet today. Uh, and I am hoping that instead of having to carry uh, a separate wallet, which is good, 
right is backup, but that the gods come together and create, uh, allow the TEE to be another secure place and separate from the business of Apple and the wallet that they have. I'm just being a crazy ideas today. That's the place for crazy ideas. Welcome. I live. We can dream here. Um, can I, I'll just get, I missed uh, the other day about the uh, children, but I wanted to make a note about that. The, um, I'm very invested in the sandbox and the, uh, a season three alpha is coming out uh, right away and they have gone to KYC for all accounts that are going to receive rewards. And so I think they're moving. Um, I'd heard back in the day that Roblox and uh, Nike were partnering to get kids into the metaverse. The way they were going to go through that was to use parent verified uh, accounts for children. And so I, I agree that the more you create these secure environments that are completely secured ecosystems to be in for the kids and, and they're protected and you're within you know, like Lena was saying, it's more of a protected world that you can allow your, your children or your old people or whoever, you know, that you might feel disadvantaged to be in and feel comfortable. And I think that's the way forward. I really do. I agree with you, man, because there's an opening there to exploit children on these platforms and not just exploit them financially. There's an opportunity for bullying children. There's an opportunity for victimizing children in other more horrific ways luring them to places, you know, we got to be very, very careful how we grow this thing and keep that in mind because children are, gamers. I just like to game, but <laughs> these are, these are, these are places where kids frequent. I mean, you make a very good point, G. That was Jenko? a good discussion. Yeah. I thanks think it's everyone. A good conversation. Burnals, thanks for joining. G, thank you. That was good. Um, always. <laughs> Always appreciate everyone that comes and, in and joins us. And the transparency of the blockchain, Carlo. Like, you can really track folks. You can link wallets. Like, everything's kind of known. Um, and we talk about security. And if the kids now have access to the seed phrase of high-value things, it's even less secure. Like, there's a lot that needs to be figured out here. Oh, yeah. Think about how many kids share their phones with other kids and share their passwords to their Snapchat with other kids. And then their Snapchat gets hijacked. And then they're sitting in my office because now they're in possession of illicit pictures. You know, I mean, it, it, it's madness. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a thing. That's a thing. And kids are very trusting when it comes to sharing their keys to their social accounts. So imagine that when it comes to crypto wallets. Yeah, there's a lot that needs to be figured out. I appreciate sure. everyone who joined. Um, yeah, man. I hope everyone has an awesome weekend. Cool. Thank you, as always, for hanging with us. Be back at it next week. Thank you to Rug Radio for popping in and hanging with us. Thank you to the lawyers who always come up and share. And... Uh, Jenko, thank you to you. Enjoy breakfast for lunch. And, That's uh, right. <laughs> and everyone have a great weekend. Thanks again, Later, all. Carla.